unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, hello, hello. It's Tuesday night, 5 p.m., 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You're at your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And I know my friends Lee and Jock are sitting there telling me, trying to change my tagline because I've gotten into that self-help fluffy bullshit. And there has actually a lot of merit to it. But today we're going to be talking about some amazing stuff, including our mindset and what it is that we can do to expand our horizons and, and get over our limiting beliefs about what we truly are capable of doing. We're going to be talking about resiliency, strength, confidence, perspective, expectations, goal setting, um, doing our best. And then we're going to have a little fun in between. Got Nicole Young in the house. What's up, Nicole? Thank you for being here, sister. I appreciate you. I hope Doggy is doing well. Um, uh, poor Doggy got uh, got in a scruff and uh, was uh, needed some veterinary care. So we're saying our prayers out to the pooch because um, pooches are uh, people too. That's what I say. I almost said poops are people too, but pooches are people too. Uh, so thank you, Nicole, for being here. Appreciate you guys. And no matter whether you're watching us live on the video cast or listening to us on the podcast, the audio podcast, either one, thank you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're in about 13 countries the last time I checked. So the Ron and Scripted Show is slowly getting there. It's not overnight success ladies and gentlemen i've been doing this for three years now we are on show number 197 of the raw and unscripted show which blows my mind because i remember starting this in january of 2019 i believe it was and uh, it was right before i did my first show before i had back surgery and i was just talking to my guest backstage about my back and my current situation if you guys follow me on uh, facebook and instagram you saw the pictures of my hardware in my back and unfortunately uh yesterday my back pain went from about a 2 to a 12 in about six hours so i am uh, a little frustrated uh in a lot of pain but we're going to bring you the goods here today because that's what we do that's what we talk about being unstoppable and um yes uh you are so welcome Nicole says, thank you so much. So we appreciate you guys, whether you're live or on the replay, ask questions. You know, this is an opportunity to for you to get your questions answered and to move forward. That's what we want from you guys. So take notes, write down three action items that you can take at the end of the broadcast starting tomorrow. What are three things I could start doing differently about my life? Because we're going to be talking about a whole lot of things. We do that every single episode. So you think about 196 shows, you take it three steps or three strategies from every single show. Do you think by any chance you might be a little bit more successful, a little bit more happy, a little bit more financially uh, established, a little bit more freedom in your life? I think so. I know so because I do it every single day. That's what it's about, that compound interest. Every single day you apply a little bit, a little bit, and you get smarter and you get more confident and you do more things and you fail your way to success because ladies and gentlemen, when you learn from your mistakes and you learn from the challenges in your life, can you look back at them and really say they were mistakes or were they stepping stones and learning opportunities? That's what I'm talking about, shifting your perspective. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. And about that, I just wanna sit there and say this, helphealhumanity.org, helphealhumanity.org, go check it out. That's the proud sponsor of this particular broadcast and this particular show. I'm associated with Help Heal Humanity as a board director member. And I've been with the organization for three years now, and it's nothing short of amazing what it is that we're able to do as a nonprofit unit, going out there and building schools in the toughest parts of Haiti, uh, feeding the homeless in Canada, doing the same thing here in the United States, sending people to school, finding out where food insecurities are and clothing insecurities are and sending uh, supplies there. We just sent a, a huge 48 foot container over to Haiti amidst all the chaos and everything that's going on there. We've got uh, soccer equipment to be able to build a soccer team out there. Um, we've got all sorts of supplies to help the people who have uh, obviously gone through two earthquakes. And speaking of earthquakes, I'm just going to do a little thing here. Let's say our, our, our thoughts and our prayers over to the people in Turkey. They suffered a catastrophic earthquake yesterday. It was something like 7.8. I saw some of the video footage of it and buildings were just collapsing, just collapsing. I think the last count, 5,000 people are dead. So let's let's band together and let's all help heal humanity. No matter where you're from, what color your skin is, where you where your political affiliation lies, you know, sexual orientation, any label that you want to put on society. How about we do this? How about we all stand up and, and realize that we're part of humanity and that we have an obligation and, a, and, a, and an ethical and moral situation within ourselves to go out there and help other people because we're all more the same than we are different. So my ask of you is when you get value out of this particular episode or any episode that you watch here on the Ron and Scripted Show that you don't pay me, you don't pay me. I know I'm a coach and everything, but you donate to helphealhumanity.org, whether it's 20 bucks, 50 bucks, you sponsor a child like me and my wife do, whatever it is it possibly can do. And if you do a donation, $200 or more, you get an hour of free coaching time with me. 
So not only are you helping an amazing organization, you're getting an hour of my time, which is way more expensive than $200 per hour. And you get an opportunity to get a tax deductible donation and you're helping people. So together we can help heal humanity. We have opening positions on the board of directors and also within the organization. We're expanding right now. We're really getting intentional about making this thing as huge as we possibly can. And we need your help. So if you're passionate about wanting to help heal humanity, by all means, go check it out. If you have any questions, by all means, reach out to me. I would love you for, love you for doing that. And again, go donate 200 bucks and then you can have an hour of my time. See, that cool. So thank you for that. And so uh, the guest we have tonight, I'm excited for this. I had the opportunity of meeting her through my coach, Sally Anderson. She put me together with a few amazing individuals. And we have this LinkedIn pod group where we um, are building each other up and learning from one another and what our strategies are to get more exposure out there. And I had the amazing opportunity to meet this individual. We had a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call and I was immediately taken aback by her confidence, her assurance, her directiveness, and her opportunity to be so resilient, managing so many different multitasking situations that are of a high level. So please welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, Dr. Kasturi Henry. Dr. Kasturi, how are you doing? Whoops, I can't hear you. You. Thank you very much. It's both an honor and a pleasure to be here with you, with your audience, and look forward to having this amazing conversation. Yes, yes. Thank you, Dr. Cass. I'm going to call you Dr. Cass just so I don't stumble over my words as I sit here and grinch in pain. But like I said in the intro, um, the first thing I really noticed about you in our conversation, I think we had like 30 minutes, was just how many different things that you're involved in, uh, your level of education and your expertise in those various different areas and what you're dealing with your husband and everything else. How do you find the strength and the resiliency to, to multitask in so many different ways and still be impactful and also still take care of yourself? Because I know a lot of people right now are burning themselves out. I talk to a lot of people every single day and people are burnt out trying to manage so many different things. So how do you do that? Let's help our, let's help our viewers and our listeners right off the bat with how you manage multiple projects and you stay uh, in tune with yourself. That's an interesting question. And I get asked that a lot. Oh, and to me, I live my purpose. So my purpose is not a collection of tasks. My purpose is the way I live my life. And when I approach this as living my life, I can actually layer it, right? So whatever I research to help my clients also becomes research in my teaching for my graduate students. The problems the graduate students bring to class that we talk about becomes input for my writing, becomes topics for my podcasts, and becomes information I can synthesize and integrate for my client. Mm. And I look at life from the perspective of if I give of myself and in the process lift everybody up and allow other people's light to shine, I am not alone. All of a sudden, I'm not just this single source of light trying to bring, you know, opportunities for others. We have lit up the path like it's a runway and a plane can land. In a situation like that, when I have made sure that I'm always there for people and I'm comfortable leaning in and asking for help, people always show up for me. I have one rule. I don't just give. When I'm giving and everybody is taking, it comes from a place of ego, right? My hand is at the top. The other person's hand is at the bottom. Yeah. I should be willing to let my ego go, flip the situation and ask for help and give the other person the honor of being my go-to person. And that balances the relationship, builds trust, gives everybody an opportunity to feel valued. And it also makes my life better. Well, Dr. Cass, I love it right out of the gate, just dropping some bombs on us. You know, I love the fact that you said you're living your purpose. Talk to us about that. I know so many people right now are stuck and I found that there was a friend of mine did a, a LinkedIn poll, if you will, and asked like, what are these, what, what, out of these three areas, which one are you struggling with the most? And I was surprised that uh, like 70% of the people were struggling with, with clarity, like really clarity of what it is that they want to do overall in life. Talk to us about that. Were you this driven as a kid? What, what kind of things happen in your life to cause you to be this driven and what can we do to, people to help them find their clarity in a, in a world of massive chaos right now nothing like chaos to give clarity <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was born and raised in the middle of a 30-year bloody civil war oh, so going Jesus. to school and coming back we could have died 
we get raided middle of the night. I mean, our own government was killing us because we were the natives of the land and they didn't want us there anymore. But we were the educated, affluent minority, even though we were the natives. So I learned very young. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants to do. I need to stay focused. So when they would raid us middle of the night, I knew they just raped the woman next door and killed the children. But I have to put a smile on my face as a 9, 10, 11 year old and say, oh, my God, you look so tired. Why don't you take a seat? Let me make some tea for you. And while you have that tea, do you want fish, chicken or beef? And I'll make you a nice dinner. I am a good cook today because I distracted them from why they came into my home and made them feel human and told them to rest. And in the process, we lived. It so happened that the night before I was leaving for India at 16, I left home, took my siblings, raised a family. And the night before I was leaving, they're like, who's here? I said, me, I'm leaving. They were actually upset I was leaving. We had established such a rapport. It doesn't matter what they did to other people. If I can give them in that first 60 seconds their humanity back, they were willing to meet me from that place of humanity. And that's the most important lesson I learned as a child. Even a murderer loves something or somebody. If I can appeal to that, then all of a sudden I can switch their mindset, neutralize the situation. And to me, that is the single most important thing that has sustained me, that ability to switch people's mindset. Oh, talk to us about, I want to dig into this. Where did you learn this from? Was it from your parents or from a particular mentor in your life? No, I was 10. I read a lot. I was in a <laughs> war zone and in a war zone, the adults are either angry or scared or full of hate, right? On yeah. all sides. So, and every place you go is a obstacle course of survival. So no, I turned inward, I read a lot, I come from a society and a culture that speaks a 5,000 plus year old language. English was not the language I read it. So I had this wealth of information, the philosophy and all of the tools of 5,000 plus years. And that's one of the reasons I write. People ask me with everything that's going on, why do you write? I say my life was changed by people who wrote and who no longer lived. If I can change one life, then all the writing I do is worth it. And I am who I am today because people who no longer live took the time to write. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. I love that. And you're on point with that because one of the reasons that I got out of my situation from being homeless and everything was somebody handed me this, this box of cassette tapes. And I'll never forget it. I'm like, here, Chris, I want you to listen to these. And I, I was so into music. I was like, what is this? Or what band is this? I'm like, it's not a band. It's a guy. And I'm like, it's a guy. What? I didn't even know about comedy tapes or anything else. I'm like, why would I listen to a tape of a guy? I was 16 years old. I was driving a 1973 Ford Maverick. It was all beat to hell. It was a long story. But this guy says, just, just put in the first tape and just start listening to it. I just, he, he was a mentor of mine at this place where I lived at. It was really bad. And I was like, all right. And I looked down at the thing and it said, Anthony Robbins. Um, and I can't remember where I, I just, the name just dropped out of, dropped out of my brain, brain, but it was his first cassette tape series, um, master the power within or something like that. And so I put the cassette tape in and it's like, da, 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 random house or whatever it is welcoming you to the Anthony Robbins, you know, send seven day event. I started listening to this guy. It was the first time Dr. Cass that I ever had been exposed to personal development or personal growth. My mom was very, very uh, stringent and very strict and very abusive to me. So I thought that I was stupid. But when I started listening to these tapes, this guy was talking about how we can take responsibility for our own decisions and we can take responsibility for how we view the world. And it's not based on the predication of what we grew up with and what our what our parents want us to believe and everything else. And it was like so enlightening to be able to do that. And had somebody not given me that opportunity, I would have not got hooked on personal development and be where I'm at today because I like you have read so much to say, wow, what are successful people doing? And if I, if I copy what they're doing, might I find that same success? And it's absolutely true. You mentioned a few times, you know, being going against, you know, um, having to stand up and have resiliency in, in your life. You're like talking about taking your, your siblings and, and moving at such a young age and everything. Talk to us about how you handle fear. Like what is, what is something that you would describe as something you would fear? And what are some ways for us to change our perspective about fear? Because I've told so many people now that the, if you read the book, feel the fear and do it anyway, it's a fantastic book. There's so many different ways that we can shift our perspective at it. So I'm interested to hear how you would walk somebody through that process of, of, of getting rid of their fears and empowering themselves to, to rise above. I'll tell you how I dealt with it. 
I come from a Hindu society, so death is not the end. This life is part of a journey. And when I say me or I, I mean my soul. The divine within me is me. This body is my temporary home. So I fully understand that. I fully embrace that. And so to me, the worst thing that could happen to me in this world is I'm dead. But it's only death from the perspective of my soul, the spirit, the divine inside me leaving this body. But the divine inside me is still divine. My soul is still intact. And my rebirth happens. So even when they would raid me, I, I always used humor. I would always when say. They what? When they what? When they would come to raid the house or oh, rape okay. us. Okay, I want to make sure. I thought you said raped. I was like, I want to make both, sure I had a clarification. So what the government did is sent the military to rape the mothers and daughters and make the fathers watch and shoot the women in the vagina and then put the men's um, private parts, put pins on them and then put in drawers and jam them till it fell off. Okay. I grew up watching this and more. Wow. Okay. So you know this, this is happening to your classmates, this is happening to your neighbors, you know this, but fear is not going to help. Because the minute you show fear, people are like dogs, they only chase the ones who are afraid, right? <laughs> so fear was not something that I was going to succumb to. And I always had this belief that, you know what, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm dead. But if there is unfinished business, I'm going to come back. Right? <laughs> right because the soul's journey is not over the soul's purpose has not yet been lived so i would greet them i would offer them tea and i would if anybody is vacillating i would say do you really want to pull that trigger you know you're a buddhist i'm a hindu we both believe in reincarnation if you killed me i'm going to come back as your daughter and can <laughs> you imagine the heartache i'm going to give you i am going to financially destroy you emotionally strip you do you want to take that chance? <laughs> I knew I loved you. <laughs> right, so what, what, normally what was that response? was the last chance, but that always put people back. And fast forward in the United States, when people want to do something to me, I always remind them, I know you believe in heaven or hell, but I come back. So, you know, whatever <laughs> you do to me, I'm coming back. Imagine I could be your daughter-in-law. I not only will bankrupt your family, I will break your son's heart and all the other things I'm going to do, right? I would say stuff like this. At how old, how old, what age were you at that point? 10, 11. Wow. Firecracker. Mm -hmm. Were your parents like that? Did they, they, did they raise you like that? Oh, no, or was no, just no, your, no, 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 your no. own independent spirit? That was me. <laughs> that was all me. <laughs> My parents attribute? were afraid nobody was going to marry me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what do you attribute finding that spunk from? Did you have mentors in your life? Was it television? Where did you find that you could actually own your space and like command that attention? I honestly believe that comes from the divine within me, my soul. It is not something I consciously earned. Wow. Wow. Because that this is... body is still a temporary housing in a long journey. True. So the inner me, my being was somewhere and it is going someplace. So even twins, why do they have different knowledge and different perspectives? Why are some souls old souls and some souls young? True. Each soul, it's in its own journey. So it also allows me to not take things to a point where I'm angry or I'm hateful. That's their station in life. I accept it. But then I behave based on my station in life too. I don't have to react when I accept that as my belief and my belief ultimately becomes my destiny. True. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Yep. When you visualize that in your mind, that becomes that true destination North, no matter whether it's positive or negative, it's what you focus on. I tell people where your focus goes, energy flows. And so if yes. you're sitting there focusing on the things that you don't have and the things that are going wrong, you're sure as shit going to find that. I told Absolutely. That's, somebody... that's my belief fuels my thinking. My thinking influenced my speaking. My speaking then cumulatively influences my actions. My actions become my behavior. My behavior becomes my value. My value is my destiny. So there are multiple steps, but they're all interconnected. So the mindset switch is about changing my belief. Mm. 
So how do you change your belief? Like I sit there and I'm thinking about all these different things. You've inspired so many questions in my brain. Thank you for sharing that. You know, when I think about, you know, fear and whatnot, a lot of people are afraid of being wrong or being rejected or, or being humiliated. Um, talk to us about that. I mean, where, what was your stance on, on those situations? How did you not take things personally? If the, if you've read the book, the four agreements, which I'm sure you have one of those, one of those laws in there, one of the four agreements is don't take things personally. And I know for me, I struggled with that a long time ago. Talk to us about how you were able to overcome those those uh, adversities, if you will, and become stronger okay. because of them. So all my reading was done in Tamil. Okay. So I come from the Hindu Valley civilization, Tamil culture, and the culture talks about how the divine within you is part of the maker, whatever you call the maker, and it comprises of atom and energy, and the energy is the divine within you. The atom is this body, okay? That's the masculinity and femininity also contained within me. And my life journey is about letting go of the ego. And when I let go of the ego, then all of the other things fall into place. And when I can engage with every other soul, every other being, from the perspective of they are where they are in their journey, I am where I am in my journey. Love we it. either help them or we get out of their way because they have to learn, right? And falling off of a bicycle is not a mistake. It's part of the learning process. True. And if we don't help somebody <clears throat> actually fall off the bike and get up, and if we prevent that, we have actually prevented them from learning to ride a bicycle. So if we understand that as a concept, and show up in a way that it is not about my ego, it is my purpose. It's also a culture that believes we are raised to believe, and I fully embrace the fact that dharma, dharma means this soul's sacred duty, okay? My dharma is my life, my life is my message. I don't have a separate message than the way I live. And duty to man, doing my dharma to mankind is my duty to my maker, when I have that straight and I understand that everybody is trying to kill everybody, mm -hmm. then it puts things in perspective. My life, my purpose is larger than everybody's hate, fear, and anger. And I don't give in to that because the minute I give in to that, I become them. Yes. So I transcend all of that. There is love, light, and joy inside of me because that's why we greet each other this way. I see the love, light, and joy inside of you. And at that point of recognition, I recognize your divine within you, which is also the same divine within me, and we're one. So if I can do that with every person, then there is no fear, there is no anger, there is no hate, and there is no worry about mistake. Because if I am not open to being rubbed and pushed and shoved, how am I gonna get polished? Charcoal and diamond is the same chemically. Only mm -hmm. difference is one was put under pressure and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed. I choose to be a diamond. Dr. Cass in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, we got Ellie Lawton in the house. She's uh, she's coming in here all the way from England. Hey, she says, hey there. Thank you, Ellie, for being here. Um, I love what you were just saying, Dr. Cass, because there's so many different jumping off points on what you just said. So it was brilliant. The thing that comes to my mind is thinking about what you said. It's so important. The fact that we can't rob other people from having those life experiences, those challenges, if you will. And I know that's a lesson I had to learn <clears throat> for myself because I've been in <clears throat> personal growth and personal development for over 20 years even before there was a term called life coach. And so as I started learning these things and going on this hero's journey and, and amassing all this intelligence and, and experience and be able to help people, um, well, I wanted, what I, all I wanted to do was to help people like the waitresses or their waiters or whoever was having a bad day. I was like, okay, I can sit there and show you pretty quickly how to shift your perspective. And I came across people that I loved and I saw people that I love were self-harming themselves. They weren't making the wisest dietary decisions and other things of that nature. And so I wanted their health and their safety more than they wanted it for themselves, but I couldn't rob them of that experience. All I could do is finally, when I was so frustrated, I had to sit back and say, okay, Chris, how have you got to where you're at? Because you made a lot of mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, but they're actually learning opportunities. Like I said, at the top of the show, and had I not made those errors or had those experience, might I not be the person that I am today? And so as painful as it's been, and it's still ongoing, 
I have to hold people in such a space that, okay, I know that they're heading down this path. I'll just be for, I'll be there for them when they have that experience because they need to have that in order to find their bottom, if you will. Because I've had those experiences in my life where I had an intervention by my friends because they thought I was drinking too much. And thankfully they caught it. I mean, I, I was using it for a particular reason, but I saw the care and the concern in their eyes. And so I had to have that experience, that embarrassing experience of like, okay, well, I'm just not going to drink at the beginning of the year anymore to kind of prove to myself and prove to you guys that I don't need to use alcohol as much as I did. <clears throat> so I needed that experience. Talk to us about you. I mean, I mean, you're so resilient and everything else. What was one of the lowest points in your life? And, and talk to us about the lessons that you learned from that experience. When I left home at 16 and went to India, I needed to be close enough to come home if anything happens to my parents. And one of the things I quickly realized is I needed to negotiate my way into things. So I went down into the community and I saw a slum and I spoke to the mothers and fathers of the slum and about 30 children were not going to school. Then I came to the school, which was run by the nuns, and I negotiated with them. If I bring 30 of those kids in and taught them after school, will you let us go to school? Wow. And they took the deal. The nuns took the deal. That was the first time I ever negotiated anything. But what I learned through that process <clears throat> is those kids were my age. We are the same, right? I was a refugee, except I didn't call myself a refugee. I didn't declare myself as a refugee because I wow. didn't want our family split up, right? And I didn't want to lose my identity. So I hung on to my identity and the family. And very soon it was the women of the slum, the woman cleaning the toilet in the school, the nuns. It was a whole group of women from different stratas of society, most of them not very highly educated, but they all had one thing in common. They cared. Yeah. And so what I learned is no matter what, and that's where Ennobled for Success comes from. So my mission in life is building to last and ennobling for success. And the very first, I intentionally made my first book, my, um, my story, but my story written through the lens of everybody who ennobled me. Every chapter was dedicated to a person, a situation that ennobled me, meaning brought out the noble qualities of kindness, compassion, grace, lack of fear, courage, all of that. And what that taught me is you don't have to have money. You don't have to be educated. You just have to be human. And a lot of times it's those invisible people who know how to do it. And so my learning is it doesn't matter what you learn. It doesn't matter what your title is. If you can't be that ennobled human being, in my culture, we say, if you're not that ennobled being, then you're a bag of bones wrapped in skin, literally. <laughs> That's what it translates into English. Wow. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. You mentioned a word in there a couple of times and it, we've kind of been dancing around the subject a little bit. We were talking about ego identity. I know for me, I never really considered my identity and I've never considered myself an egoic person. There's things I talk about in my, in my speaking and whatnot. It's like, you know, arrogance versus confidence. You know, what are the differences of that and trying to find that balance of being confident, but not being arrogant, being assertive, but not being, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, as far as my identity, I never really considered it. I just always kind of been me. But when I left my corporate position back in November, 2019, I'd been with the same company for 26 years. I'd grown from the bottom up to nearly the top. I was the director of operations. And ultimately we came to an agreement that I was no longer going to be there anymore. It was an amicable agreement for the most part. Um, but what the thing that, that shocked me, Dr. Cass is like, afterwards i had so many things in the in the fire and the iron i offered like okay I'll, t I'll i'll consult with you guys i'll temp with you guys whatever it is to kind of transfer the responsibilities over because they surprised me when they decided to do this we were supposed to pick a date but they surprised me with the date and said okay chris we're going to do it today um and so i thought okay there's no way these guys are going to be able to pick up my pick up all the things i had so i wanted to, to make an easy transition for them and would you know it nobody ever needed a single thing for me after the point i left and for for spending my you know a, a half of my life legitimately in that place and and having those responsibilities i found myself later on like really questioning who i was i was shocked honestly dr cass thinking about 
wow, you know, I was the leader. I was this, I had these budgets. I had all these different things and that was wrapped up into my identity. And all of a sudden overnight, it just felt like I wasn't needed anymore. Like I wasn't like it all like came crashing down on my brain. Like, was that all a facade? Was this person being real or was that person? Cause nobody reached out to me afterwards. And so it was this whole messed up thing in my brain that I ultimately had to take like a few months and really just like think about it and journal about it and talk to my mentors about it. Talk to us about that identity thing, because I think a lot of people in this life are confused with who they really are. They're acting out of ego. But for me, I know that I got serious about myself when I went to a funeral back in 2008 and I thought about it. I, long story short, I thought, okay, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And I was successful by all terms, six digit figure, you know, two houses, all sorts of you know beautiful things in my life. But, you know, when I thought about it, 10 or 15 people are going to show up. They're going to bring Miller Genuine Draft Beer, Jack Daniels, Motley Crue and Bon Jovi Records. And they're going to talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. Oh, remember that time he crashed this car? Remember that time he did this? Remember that time he dated this girl? Remember? Da, da, da. And then the postscript on that, Dr. Cass, be like, oh, yeah, he was homeless uh, for four years, nearly tried to kill himself and then become uh, successful and got a master's degree. And I thought about that and I was like, do I really want to be like a postscript, like the, the funny guy? And then, oh, by the way, he changed the world. And so I went home. It was bugging me the whole way home. And I learned over my years to trust my whisper. So I went home and I took pen to paper and God is my witness. I wrote out my eulogy because I thought, what better way for me to identify who I really want to be and who I want to show up at in the world? Like much like you experienced at a young age, like you became very, very clearly focused on what that was. And so as I was writing out this eulogy, and I got to the end, I put the pen down, went to my kitchen, got a glass of water, came back and I literally just pushed it to the side. I'm like, okay, I did that. Now I need to get back to what I need to do. And somebody told me to stop and read it. And so I was literally, I just, you know, I journaled it, whatever. I'll, I'll go back and read it later. So I picked it up and I started reading it. And then ultimately I said, you know what, if I was at a funeral, I would be reading this out loud. So without proofreading it at all, not even reading it once, I just read it back out loud. Christopher Roush, da, 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 loving father, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got to the middle part, it said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what's right and what's fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And by that time, Dr. Cass, I had tears running down my face. I had no intention or thought or belief or inclination that I would cry after what I just wrote on this piece of paper. But it really just like hit me at home. Like, okay. If you wake up every single day and you have that clarity of those 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 principles in your life, those core values in your life, and you're successfully going after those every single day, then if it's your last day on earth, at least you were living on purpose. What are your thoughts on all that? I know I said a lot, but I, I wanted to frame it up because I've, I've been talking to so many people this year, especially already, their identity and their, the, what, what's coming next. You know, Am I going to be replaced? Everybody's just like really questioning who they are. And I want to be able to give people some direct uh, tips on what they can do for themselves. So beautiful question and i love to share thank you so much chris because it You're takes welcome. a lot to share something that personal the way i approach my identity it has nothing to do with what i do my identity is my being yeah that means what does cast embody so when i introduce myself when i'm giving a keynote when i am speaking to a crowd when i walk into a classroom to teach I always say, I believe that nobody should be defined by a single story. Every life has a purpose and every life has to be given the opportunity to seek and live that purpose. And we are not based on what we do. We are not based on what our titles are. We're not our zip code. We're not the car we drive. Yes. I am driven by my mission of building to last and ennobling for success. I am Dr. Castori Henry, and I am here to serve you. That's all I say. I never say I became a CFO at 32. I was a CFO for the pension fund, ran a $22 billion pension fund. I did an international acquisition for Warren Buffett, bought and integrated Duracell internationally over five years. Those are all things I did but they're not who I am. Oh. The minute I am able to separate my being from my doing, two things happen. Who I am as a being always influences what I am doing, not the other way around. Right. I walked away from a two, I walked away with 250 grand sitting on the table because I was with a financial services institution that was causing the subprime crisis. I was the head of finance and I said, uh, I gave them a proposal. 
90-day proposal, we can either do this or 50 other ways. But doing nothing means this is a resignation. They were so sure with the sign-on bonus and the year-end bonus coming, I was one month away from getting all of that. I would not walk. So the 90 days came and my controller was going to walk out with me. Her husband was a stay-at-home dad, two college-going daughters. She went and talked to the family and said, I am going to walk out with Dr. Cass. We need to change lifestyles. And the husband and the daughter said, we don't care how you feel about it. Go back there and work. We're not changing our lifestyle. So she Ooh. came back to me. I said, do what you have to do. But I went and said my goodbyes. My boss looked at me and said, are you really that stupid, Cass? And I said, <laughs> I referred to him by his name. I don't want to name his name right now. I said, do I look like her? And I used the W word. The woman who's up for sale by the hour. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. I used that word. Mine's a store. Look like that. And he said, oh, my God, why would you say that, Cass? How, why would anybody call you that? Why would you think that? I said, I'm so glad you know that. If my body is not for sale, what makes you think my soul is? I said that. I walked out. I went and started my own business, and I have never looked back. Right. So to me, what I do is shaped by my being. My being is not adjusting to get what I want by doing what I need to do to get what I want. OK, yep. so it comes from the premise that I value people and I use things as needed to live a life of service because my dharma is my purpose. But. There is a part of the world that values things. The yeah. Western society raises children to put value on things. Mm -hmm. Christmas is about things. It's not about making things together because you share a gift of your time and your love. If you made something and gave people, look down on you. We're yeah. not even Christians, and that's what we do for Christmas. We actually make things with our hands because Christmas is about love. It's about yeah. sharing. So I, one of the things I had to adjust when I came to the West is I come from a world that believes that we value people and we use things. Yeah. And here I am in a society that uses people and values things and they use people to get more things. Therefore, when you're no longer working with them, they have no use for you. So they mm -hmm. don't call you. So I am true. traveling to Cambodia and Qatar in the next two weeks for work. Every step of the way, people have worked for me in my prior life. They're meeting me, we're breaking our journey, we're staying with them. Relationships are for life. And we treasure that. My husband is American, he can't find a single classmate of his or a coworker of his. That's a cultural difference. Wow. Because when there is no, people will tell you I have no use for you. I am too busy now, I don't have time. And the minute, you get another job where you have a title, all of them will come back. Yes. So why <laughs> make something that is tied to material when your soul is purer than that, more purpose-driven than that, and more filled with light than that? Dropping bombs, dropping bombs. Seriously, there's so many audio clips out of this interview so far. Not an interview, discussion. Um, there's so many, again, more jumping off points. Um, let me see which one I want to pick, which one do I pick? Um, yes, I, I want to, I want to go, I want to go with, I want to go with the materialism and go with the, the external validation that we need. You know, I've, I've, I've learned in my life that I always thought that's what was the case. Like if I got more people to like me, more people to laugh, more people to respect me, all those different things that I would be happy. And through my journey, I'll be 54 in a couple of weeks. And through my journey, I'm so thankful that I've met so many amazing people who shared with me their perspective and their journey. I think it was uh, Jim Carrey who uh, was recently quoted. I think he said it before, but I heard it. I've heard it twice in the last couple of weeks. So it, it's causing me to, to share it with you now is the fact he goes, I wish he goes, I wish everybody in, in the world could could manifest and, and achieve their dreams and achieve all the wealth and all the fame that they could ever want. 
because then they could find out that it's not what it is. It's going to truly make them happier. And I've had the experience of meeting rock stars. Uh, I know actors and actresses, famous people. I've met millionaires. I just had a lunch with a, with a, with a several times over a millionaire on Friday. And I asked them these questions too. What I find out Cass, is the fact that, you know, people sit there and go through their life. If I get all these things, then I'll be wanted and needed and I'll be liked and appreciated and all these different things. They, they could get those things and they find out six months later that it's not, that's not the thing. Like, I don't know if you heard of Matthew Perry's new book, Matthew Perry, the guy that started on friends, he was talking about, he said, God, he actually got on his hands and knees and prayed to God that he would give him a hit television show. And so he got the, like a week later, he got the script for friends. He wanted friends. Somebody else was in line to get friends. There was this whole thing, but he actually landed the job. And then after that, what did that cost him? And then so it cost him the Vicodin addiction and the alcohol addiction and everything else. And now here he is finally sober again, thank God. But he found out that all of that stuff, he goes, he goes, I thought it was going to be everything. He goes, but six months later, I found myself still being the same person. So I love that you, that you mentioned that. What types of, what types of questions? I love questions because I think that when we ask, I know when we ask questions of ourselves, especially in others, when we're honest with ourselves, there's so much opportunity for immediate transition. So immediate perspective, I can get people to shift their perspective pretty quickly. What are some favorite questions of yours that you talk with your clients or maybe ask yourself that give that, that, that instantaneous opportunity to shift that perspective? I always ask them. So if I'm talking to you, yeah. who is Christopher? Right. And I do these at job interviews too. When I was a CFO and I was interviewing empl potential employees, nobody knows how to answer that question. I don't want what's on your resume. I don't want things I can find out in public. Yeah. Who is Christopher? Then they go back to telling me their father, their mother, the religion, the town. It's like, no, yeah. who is? How are you wired? What makes you tick? What are you passionate about? Who are you deep inside? Not your title, not your job, nothing material, nothing external. I've had grown men cry saying, I don't have an answer to that question because nobody has ever asked me and I never stop to think. Okay, that's a good place to start. It's a good place to start because step one to a 12-step program is for me to stand up and say, I'm Kasturi Henry and I'm an alcoholic, right? I don't drink, but I use this as an example. Sure. And so admitting where I am today is the first step. Then, mm -hmm. who does Christopher want to be? And in my culture, our name tells us something about us. So back to culture. The minute a child is born, the longitude, latitude, and the exact millisecond the child is born, the Hindu priest comes and maps the horoscope. So I got, saw my horoscope when I, when I was past 30. My horoscope said, I will leave my mother, my motherland. I will be in the West. All of these things were foretold. So wow. they looked at what is in the realm of probability for this child. The one thing that's going to stay with this child is the child's name. So let's name the child in a way that they can draw from their name. So yeah. Kasturi, literally a child being named Kasturi is expected to grow knowing everything they need in life is already inside of them. They just have to draw from with it. Literally, that's what my name stands for. That's yeah. why I like people to say my name. That way, every time they say my name, they are reminded that they are whole. They got everything. And my favorite poet, Rumi, talks about you are not a drop in the ocean. So people tell me I'm just a drop. What can I do? I tell them to contemplate the fact that you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a single drop, mm -hmm. right? So you are the divine within you. That divine within you is the entire drop from the divine that made everything. So you're not a fraction, you're whole. Now, when you are whole and you are trying to identify who you are, what are the things that are not serving you? How can you let it go? What are the things that are going to enrich you? How do you find a way to embrace it? And when you start asking those questions, you start shifting your mindset. Mm. What is not serving me is no longer needed in my life. So it's the same thing as once a year. Clean the clutter of the house because if you can't clean the external clutter, you will never clean the internal clutter. Yeah. So what oh, I do, once a year, I bring my students who are graduating 
my international students who are graduating and I put everything I'm ready to donate in a room and tell them, take whatever you want, take whatever you want and go start a life. Invariably what happens is they become my kids. I don't have children of my own. Mm -hmm. So most of my international students come back because they're sitting at my dining table or they're using my pots and pans. And they're like, nobody would ever do that for us. You did that for us. So we're family, right? So this is another way to keep that humanity going. You don't need everything. Just pass it along. I love that. I love that's so powerful. Um, Ellie Lawton says, I love this lady. Thank you, Ellie. That's that's beautiful. We got Robert in the house says, good evening, Christopher and Dr. Kasturi. Uh, thank you for being here, Robert. And uh, uh, Robert says here, that is logical. And uh, he says, if you have that PTSD where clutter is present, then what? If you have that P if you have that PTSD where clutter is present, then what? I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you understand this question? Yeah. So if there is clutter and it's not physical clutter, he's talking about PTSD as in uh, emotional clutter. Yeah. What do you do with it? What I do is always, and what I ask my clients is, is that clutter yours to begin with? If somebody did something to you, yes, it is theirs, not yours. Mm -mm. So don't, like if the hat doesn't belong, if the hat doesn't fit you, don't grab and put it on your head, right? So figure out where it belongs and give it to the person it belongs. Look them in the eye and tell them it's theirs because that is part of what you need to do. And it takes a lot of courage to do that and practice with somebody to be able to do that and look eyeball to eyeball and address it. Because once you've named it and you've assigned the responsibility and you've handed it over, you can move on. Let me give you an example. I went from a war zone into India and in India, Men can't keep their hands to themselves. Every woman is for their taking. Wow. So I walked around with an open safety pin and a bag of chili powder. <laughs> and I was a strong girl. I was a girl sandwiched between two boys. I was not the oldest child. I was the oldest daughter. And in my culture, the Hindu culture that I was raised in, we don't take a father's name. No man owns you. Not a father's name, not a husband's name. And before we were a colony, women took multiple husbands. So we're a polyandry society. To this day, women are the head of the household. And the first elected female head of state came out of Sri Lanka in 1960. So I come from a truly empowered culture of women. I didn't have to play second fiddle to anybody. And I was physically strong. I was an athlete and I could take down a guy. And I would grab them by the collar, literally, because they're shocked. And then I'll poke them with my pen and put chili powder in their eyes and then ask them why they got so close. Right? <laughs> you are a pistol. I love it. Kick ass. So to me, the way I dealt with the clutter is I actually met it head on. When I would take the bus to go to the airport, men would walk up and down the aisle. So I would actually, when I see a screw on the floor, I would get grab those and keep. And when men come close enough to, you know, grab me, I'll say, Oh, I think you dropped this. I give them the screw. <laughs> So find, to me, humor and directness was helpful. And knowing that this was not my baggage and I refused to carry other people's baggage. Mm, I love that. And I, I have a similar thing with that as well. When people sit there and talk about the inputs they receive, because we know that the conditioning process of who we become really happens between the age of zero and five. That conditioning process of what our parents tell us, our teachers tell us, our friends tell us, our loved ones, all those different inputs come in and create what we call our identity at that, at that point. And so what do we do? Our reticular activation system goes out there and says, well, I'm stupid. Oh, I must be stupid because I didn't do that right. I always screw this up or I never do that right. And so we go out about a life and we're trying to unfuck ourselves for the rest of our life, not knowing what it is that we're trying to do. So I invite people. I'm like, I sit there. I'm like, how would it feel like if you no longer carried that burden of that person's opinion in your mind anymore? How would you feel? And they're just like, well, and I'm like, no, really think about it. Like if you no longer had, if you no, if you no longer owned that statement about you, that you're, 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 you're not a good singer or you're not attractive. You're not going to, you're not going to meet a man unless you lose weight. How would that feel for you? What do you think you could possibly do without that limitating belief in your, in your brain? 
And it usually takes them a little bit. Sometimes I have to give it different ways, but ultimately they get to the point where like you see this aha moment in their brain, like, oh, I don't have to own it. I'm like, no, you're not your thoughts. You can sit there and say, wow, that was really interesting. And you go back to what you're, what you're working on. My brother Lee, who's usually uh, commenting on the, on the shows um, said yesterday, he goes, he goes, I just sit there. And when I have negativity in my brain, he goes, I just see it fly off like a butterfly. He goes, I'm not attached to it. It goes, once we become attached to those things, that's where the destruction starts to come in place. So I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up. The other thing I wanted to share before I go on to the next question is one of the things I do that I found probably in the last four or five years, it's really super powerful is I ask people what they're tolerating. Like when I think about a question, like, what are you tolerating, Dr. Cass? What are you tolerating, Chris? What are you talking about? And people sit there and say, oh, you know, not much. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's start making a list. Like, what do you tolerate from yourself? What do you tolerate from other people? And what do you tolerate from inanimate objects? And so I'll give this exercise to my coaching clients and inevitable, I give them a week and they come back usually with like four or five things out of each area. And by that time, I know the person, they've told me enough about their story. So I'm like, okay, you're not being honest or you're, you're embarrassed that there's probably about 50 in each one and you don't want to come to come to the clean on it. So I invite them to go back and I said, spend another week, you know, carry that notepad around with you, use your phone, take a picture of like, okay, the washing machine button always, I always have to press the washing machine button in such a way that it washes. I always have to do this. This cupboard never latches. I deal with all these things. And so I'm like, we got to do this clearly every single time, Dr. Cass, they come back with anywhere from 10 to 15 more per category, those three categories. So I immediately ask them like, so what would it feel like if you no longer tolerated a third of those things on the list? And they just look at me like, oh, Chris, and it comes in, there comes the excuses, right? I'm the no excuses coach. Oh, Chris, if I didn't do this and if I didn't do that, then it wouldn't get done and, and I have to do it because nobody, it takes me longer to, all the different excuses. And I'm like, okay, so let's just take a couple, you know, what, how could you free up an hour every single day? If you, if you freed up an hour every single day, you'd have 365 hours in a year. What is it that you possibly can do launch or publish in that 365 days having that time? And like, oh, Chris, that's not possible. I'm like, yes, it is. And so I was just working with somebody recently and they said, well, I have to do the laundry and I have to do this. And I have to do this. And I said, how many people are in your household? Three other people, my husband and two kids. And I said, how old are your kids? Well, one's eight and one's 13. I said, so you got three other able-bodied people in the house that could be helping you with the laundry, making their own lunches and everything else. Oh, Chris, I've tried, but they won't. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go dark because I tend to use dark things as, as leverage because we only change when things get heavy. And I'm like, so if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, I said, would your family no longer take lunches to school? Would your family no longer have clean clothes? Would your family no longer have any food in the cupboards because they don't go shopping? I said, they would survive. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So what's the, what's the bridge? What bridge do we have to make to get from here to there? Because there's got to be some sort of bridge that you have to start standing up for yourself, having those values. Otherwise, you're going to be taken advantage of for the rest of your life and you're going to die with regrets. I'm like, well, I suppose we can do this. I'm like, let's talk about that. How would you approach your family? And sure as shit, you know, three weeks later, they got a third of those things off their list. And like, oh my God, Chris, I fucking feel amazing. You know, it's just incredible what it is that we can do with ourselves. Um, so I wanted to share that with you because it's it's, it's helped so many people in, 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 my, in my coaching, at least. Um, I want to talk, you mentioned your business. So let's talk about your business. What is your business about? Who is your ideal client? And let's talk about a success story that you've had recently based on what it is that you gave them as far as tools and ammunitions for them to be some, come successful. Beautiful. I have a U.S. based company, Cass Henry Inc. And it's a consulting coaching and training, uh, business. The training is under the Institute Ennobled for Sixes Institute. Um, and so I do two kinds of work. I do economic development and corporate mergers and acquisitions and transformation work. That is the big ticket items, my corporate and country work. And then I also carve out two days of the week and I help entrepreneurs because I fully understand the lasting economic development happens through entrepreneurs and big business and government are necessary they are a part of that ecosystem. But if I don't serve the entrepreneurs, then I am leaving an untapped market that needs to be served. And I normally start with training and coaching, and then it evolves into any consulting opportunities they need. A lot of times the type of clients that seek me and need my services are people who are either starting a business or a not-for-profit pivoting their business or a not-for-profit or professionals like accountants and doctors who are starting the business or doing an evaluation to see if they buy into a practice. Attorneys, accountants, and doctors know their craft, but they don't know negotiation, they don't know people, and they do not know business. 
So I end up first giving them the tools and training them so that they can be informed decision makers of what they need. And then they come and ask what they need coaching for. And then I coach them through the process. And then as needed, I consult for them to get their business off the ground. So education is my entry point. I have never, ever had to sell my service because education as the entry point is actually an automatic portal. So my clients come from either listening to my podcasts or my presentations, reading what I've written off from my classroom. And believe it or not, it was a classmate of mine, a student of mine who actually hired me to transform the $22 billion pension fund. My student was on the board. That is phenomenal. People underestimate. Students are invisible people like those cleaning ladies. People forget that everybody is a person and everybody has an impact. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. So, um, I mean, we're getting short on time. There was another question. I'm going to have, I have to have you back on the show because there's so many different jumping off points of the stuff that we talked and I knew it was going to be a fire conversation. My last final question to you is something I've been asking periodically to people. There's so much chaos and uncertainty going on in the world. I mean, there's no shortage of it. I don't watch the news. I don't follow politics. I took my head and I put it in the sand where it belonged. I used to be a, a news junkie, a political junkie. And about 10 years ago, I found myself yelling at the television. I'm like, Chris, you're, you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You're not getting involved in politics. You're not even going for your city council or anything else. Give it up. And so I gave myself a challenge to give it up for 14 days. And that was 10 years ago. I found myself so much happier, but I see the news headlines. I see, you know, the thing with China and now North Korea's, you know, been told all these different things. AI is going to take our jobs, you know, AI chat, GBT, whatever the hell that is. You know, there's all sorts of things, all sorts of craziness going on in the world. You have a microphone to the world right now. What would you say to people to get them through these these chaotic times and and, and to, to leave them with that sense of resiliency and empowerment that they have this opportunity right here and right now where they're at to be able to shift their perspectives and therefore shift their lives and therefore their outcomes? So you have two minutes. You have the microphone to the world. What would you say? Thank you. Brilliant question. Thank you. I would remind all of us that I am not just somebody who makes money and takes care of a family. I am a worker. I am a citizen of a country, I am a consumer, and I'm an investor for my retirement, right? So I'm doing all of these things. Then why am I making choices as if only one of those matter, right? So when I am making a choice as an employee or a business owner, am I making those decisions that's going to fly in the face of my citizenship, my nature as a consumer, my interest as an investor. I always say, I don't know why in America, everybody's told don't talk religion, politics, and finance. Those are the three things that are gonna make or break you. Your faith is your belief. Politics is about who gets what, when, where, and how. If you don't understand that and you don't engage in it, you're gonna vote the wrong way. Money is a necessity. But if you choose wisely and navigate it right, you can make it a luxury because you have the necessity covered, right? So the biggest tip I have for everybody is don't make a singular choice because you are four parts of a whole. When you make a choice for one fourth of you, you are going to destroy the other third, four thirds of you, right? So, for example, when the debt ceiling crisis happens, we're going to default. That means the U.S. full faith and credit is going to tank. The United States prime rate is going to go up. Everybody's debt rate is going to go up. The world is not going to know what to use in the financial calculations because U.S. Treasury rate is the risk-free rate. The minute we default, there is no risk-free rate. U.S. is no longer going to be the reserve currency. People will choose Canadian currency to use all across the Americas for trade. That means our currency is going to get dumped. Our economy is going to get tanked, all because we wanted to make a political point of not paying a bill after approving the budget to spend. Think about that. Wow. So the time to argue about the rules and boundaries is before you get married, not after you have a child. Okay. <laughs> so argue when you're doing the budget for the company, for the country, 
But when it comes time to pay the bill, pay it. And don't get in artificial political fights or dogma-driven fights because you are going to destroy your own future. People yeah. don't realize if a coup happens, U.S. doesn't exist. U.S. passport is no longer valid. U.S. currency can be used for the toilet paper, period. If you don't believe me, go watch the movie Terminal. Tom Hanks got on a plane to come to the U.S. His country was taken over by a coup. They couldn't let him through immigration because his passport was not valid. His country was taken over by a coup. The world immediately delegitimizes you. Your country doesn't exist. Couldn't deport him because you can't send somebody to a country that no longer exists. The whole movie was a romantic comedy between the gate and immigration. Our lives are not going to be a romantic comedy. U.S. stock market will crash. U.S. commodity exchange will crash. U.S. currency can be used as toilet paper. And none of our investments are there anymore. There is no retirement. There is no health care. There is no nothing. So I always ask people the question, stop arguing about false dichotomies. Look at the reality. Look at the four parts of a whole we each represent. And then choose as an ennobled human being to do the right thing for you and humanity. Because when you do something wrong to other people, it comes back to you. Amen. Wow, sister, you just scared the shit out of me and inspired me all at the same time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Dr. Cass. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that and digest it a little bit more. That was a lot of reality in there. And you didn't even talk about AI and robotics. Um, so where can people get a hold of you to continue this conversation? I, I think this has been phenomenal. There's so many sound bites in here. Where can people get a hold of you and find you on social media and everything else? Best place is my website, CassHenry.com. And when you go into my website, you can actually get on my social media. And LinkedIn is the best place to get a hold of me. Instagram is good and Facebook is good. All of them are available and I am happy to talk to you. My mission in life is to help every person and therefore their families to be financially and psychologically independent. Because when you're financially independent, psychologically, you're free to pursue your dreams. Wow. Dr. Kasturi, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. This is a fire conversation. We've been kind of joking around about it that we knew it would. I hope it was for you as well. I'm going to place you backstage and don't go anywhere because I still want to talk to you. I'm just going to round out the show and then uh, then we'll be done. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. My thank pleasure. You thank you very much. Nature. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, guys, that was fire. I knew it was going to be fire. This woman is brilliant. She's got a heart of gold and she's got principles and values and integrity to the ninth degree, nth degree, whatever you want to talk about. Um, yeah, so many things for me, even just thinking about this conversation tonight. But again, when I started this show, if you didn't start hear the start of the show, go back and watch that because that's where the, the juice really is. And at the start of the show, I suggested that you have pen and paper or whatever you take your notes with, and you write down three action items that you can take from this conversation. There was way more than three. Trust me, just on the fact of what we talked about in fear alone. So take those three action items and start tomorrow, start tonight. What is it that you can start rolling out and, and, I, and putting a picture into your mind of who it is that you're becoming and strip away from those, all those negative associations and beliefs that were poured into you when you were a kid, when you didn't even know any better. I just had the opportunity to go to my school. I'm very involved in my son's education. He's in kindergarten and my school is offering something like basically amounted to what's what we call emotional, emotional intelligence. And I thought, are they really going to start teaching kids finally emotional intelligence? So I went to the school and sure enough, they're going to start being teaching kids emotional intelligence and how to process the things that are said to them. And when you think about that conditioning process, like I said before earlier, it happens between the age of zero and five. That's a large majority. It depends on what studies you look at. But for the most part, we become the people that we're going to become by the age of five because we've had all these inputs in our life. And then we go out thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. And then we think of talking about our worthiness factor. The important thing is, is that what would happen? How would you feel if you started stripping away some of those negative beliefs? How more empowered would you feel? And one of the best things that you can really do is take a look at the people you surround yourself with. Get out a pen and paper again. I'm I'm big about writing, not typing and everything. I'm big about writing because when you write stuff, it's like a it's like a, a, a admission, if you will, of something that you hadn't been vocal about or really put out in front of yourself for before. So when you take that pen to paper and you start writing that stuff out, it's pretty impactful. Write down the five people that you're around the most. Dr. Stephen Covey talked about it in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, look at the five people you're around the most, and that'll be a good indicator where it is that you're going and who you're going to become. So write out those five people. And for me, I just sit there and write next to them, good or bad. Constructive, constructive or negative, They're, they can't be in the be in between because when you think about those five people, if those people are, are, are suggesting that you be more honest and be more bold and be more you, if they're suggesting you go out there and fail your way to success, those are the people you want on your team. 
I mean, we can talk about team too. Who's on your team? Who do you trust? Who empowers you? Who holds you accountable? And who's your mentor? When you get those five people in your, in your team that you can go to and ask them a serious question and they're going to give you the honest answer. Sometimes we don't like the honest answer, but again, like Dr. Cass said, when we go through those, those, those opportunities where we want to run away to our comfort zone, that's the exact opportunity to run towards that because that's a lesson waiting for you to experience. And like she said, if you don't learn that lesson in this lifetime, you get to come back and repeat it again until you learn that lesson. And so that's something that I look forward to when I'm in the dirt, when I'm experiencing pain or distress or anything else or challenging situations, my perspective is not to run away from it and go to my short-term gratification, which is something I used to do. My intention now is like to first ask me the self this question, okay, what am I supposed to learn out of this experience? And the sooner I can look for the learning opportunity in that experience and move past it, then the sooner I can come back and help you guys or help somebody else. So it's all about lending a hand and helping one another up. That's what I was talking about with healing humanity. If we all get together and get past our labels and get past the negative beliefs that we have in our system and we start helping one another out, couldn't this world be an absolutely amazing place? Yes. So it starts with you. It starts with acknowledging the fact of where it is that you're at. If you're unhappy in your life, guess what? You need to go look in the mirror because it's you. It's you. It's what you're focusing on. It's what you're choosing to tolerate. It's what you're choosing to sit there and say, oh, someday when this happens and this happens, then I'll live my life. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, you're all going to die. We're all going to die. It's just a matter of time. And time is flying by faster and faster and faster. Look back on the last 20 years of your life. I know most of my audience is about between 30 and 70. Um, look back on the last 20 years of your life and think about how fast that went and how fast the next 20 are going to go. Do you want to end up like they talk about in the book, the five regrets of the dying? Do you want to end up regretting the fact that you had all these opportunities to be genuinely you, to go after your passions and your dreams and, and let all the other bullshit fly away? Would you want to sit there and like ultimately meet the version of yourself that you could have been had you not stayed within those limiting beliefs and the confines of the excuses that you have? Life is pretty amazing, guys. It's not easy. It is not easy. Chris, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be fucking worth it. It's going to be worth it. And the sooner you face up to that and the sooner you get through that challenge, the sooner you get to that vista and you're able to look down and go, fuck, man, I made it. I got scrapes and scratches and my knees, my back is all jacked up, but I made it. I got to this vista. And guess what? There's going to be more valleys. But as you go through those vistas and you go through those challenges, you become a little stronger. Like it says in my tattoo right there. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. I wake up every day with gratitude and intention in my life to fulfill that legacy that Christopher Roush will have fought for what's right and what's fair. He will have risked for which that mattered and he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. This is the last thing I ever do and my son comes to watch this. Do you think I'm going to be living up to my legacy? Yes or no? Was I living up to my legacy before? No. I was playing the someday game. So stop playing the someday game. Get your ass out. Get your head out your ass. Hire a coach. Get mentors. Do something different because if you want to have what you don't have, you got to do what you haven't done. I love you guys. Guess what? Next Tuesday, who do we have? You guys have been asking me like, Chris, tell me who's on next week. Uh, who is on next week? We have, oh, you know what? Guess who's on next week? Guess who's on next week? Me. I'm going to do a solo show. You guys have been asking about it. Like, Chris, you never do a solo show. I'm going to do a solo show for Valentine's Day. God's honest truth. I'll probably record it earlier in the day because I got to take my wife out. I get to take my wife out and have a good meal. We're going to take my son too. We're going to have Valentine's family meal. So yes, it'll be me next week. If you want a hand in what it is that I talk about, send me a private message, post me on social, whatever it is that you got to do to me, send me smoke signals, say, Chris, I would love for you to do a show on this. And then perhaps I'll just do that. Or at least I'll answer that question live here on the air. I love you guys. You guys are my misfits for life. As always go to noexcusescoach.com. If you're new to the show, no excusescoach.com. Check it out. I've got some courses coming up. I've got my book going to be launched later this year. I'm going to be doing a pre-order thing on there. The whole little situation where you guys can go pre-order it. Anybody who pre-orders it, I'm going to uh, uh, inscribe something in there personally, handwritten from me to you. And I know a lot of you have been asking about this book and it will be out this year. I promise you. So I will talk to you soon and uh, I will go back and check out these comments. Mr. Robert, I appreciate you, brother. Go out there, be brilliant and go out there and take action on these, these tips that you guys wrote down today. Okay. I love you guys. Peace. We're on and scripted.